This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. My name is Kate Copsey, and I am the host of the show. You can contact me from my webpage, katecopsey.com, or through America's Web Radio Station site. This morning, America's Homegrown Veggies is sponsored by Bonnie Plant, so thank you to them. And this morning, we're going to get updates on all those projects by gardeners around the country who are doing different projects in 2014. So we're going to start with Brenda Haas from Northern Ohio. And as she takes care of her young niece sometimes, she's going to find fun projects to do with the child. So, Brenda, how are the plans going? Good morning, Kate. Thanks for having me on again. Um, Our little seedlings are getting quite big. Um, It's been cold, but we've had lots of sunshine on on our little seed starters that we started. If you remember, we were using the little uh, toilet paper rolls. Oh, that's (laughs) right. Yes. (laughs) Which was a lot of fun because, you know, my niece, actually, she celebrated her birthday yesterday. She's three. And we would have fun. She calls them ra'ahas. And so we'd take the little toilet paper rolls and, ha-ha, you know, play the little tune. And then we're going to plant some tomatoes. And she was really excited. It was very easy for her to be able to hit, you know, the holes on those. They're quite big compared to if you use the peat pods. It's a little smaller, you know. Uh-huh. And um, they're doing great. It's been a fun experience. Um, she's really excited. Now we, you know, we check on our seeds as they grow and, you know, little ones get a little impatient. So I like to sidetrack her with paper and crayons and we start drawing out our little area where we're going to put those tomatoes out in the big garden. So that's what's going on here. Yes. And so, so the long winter didn't really derail too many plans for you. No, if anything, we're, we're getting to that point. Well, I'm used to this as an Ohioan. You know, we have that horrible winter or rough winters, and then it will kind of warm up a little bit come spring, and then it gets cold again, and then all of a sudden you're in spring for a week and then summer, right? <laughs> so um, if anything, we're at that point where now it's kind of, um, a rush to get, you know, landscapes cleaned out and, and things like that. But, um, as far as the seed sowing, it's, it's been a, it's been a wonderful experience. Um, we're not behind at all. Um, we do have, you know, I have the greenhouse here as a backup, but you know, that sun has been beaten in those, uh, sunroom windows of my home that we haven't had to move them out to the greenhouse. So does she go into the greenhouse when, when you have her with you, or, or oh, does she sure. stay in the house? Oh, yes. I, I would oh, eat. it's a one, <laughs> it's a fun experience. In fact, you know, it's getting a little crowded in there right now because I've, I start all my dahlias, and, and it's just loaded with lettuce, and, um, oh, boy, my tropicals are still in there because um, we, you know, we're, it looks like the next two weeks we're above freezing, but I still don't want to take the chance and put those things outside. So if anything, she's, you know, my niece, the three-year-old, a little upset that we can't go in the greenhouse 
the last couple of weeks because it's so full. <laughs> it's hard to walk in there, you know, but it is quite the adventure when it is cold and snowy out to, you know, trek through the, the path that we've made that this year the sides were up a good three to four feet. I mean, she could hardly see over the snow. Oh. <laughs> so it, was, it was like, you know, the... The adventure on Little House in the Prairie, if you remember that big snowstorm that hit, you know. Oh, yes. <laughs> and you get out there and you open up and, and, you know, you enter my greenhouse through the bunny barn. So, of course, we get to feed the bunnies and say hello to them, little compost makers, and then into the greenhouse. And it's always, as long, you know, as the sun has come out for a bit, in the winter, it can be negative outdoors. Inside the greenhouse, it can be anywhere from 70 to the high 80s. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so it's, it's fun. She's, you know, it's fun to take off your winter coat and sometimes even your boots in there, right? <laughs> so, yeah. It's a great experience. Oh, yeah. So, so is she more interested in the shapes of different things in the greenhouse or mm-hmm. the smells or, or what in there does she like? Boy, let's see. She really... You know, she she likes to ask a lot of questions, and of course, you know, I think the sound because we, you know, I have uh, I have fish tanks in my wa- in my <laughs> greenhouse, so you've got that nice trickle sound from the the pump moving the water. So it's kind of neat to talk about you know how the water works and what the fish are doing and how that is helping our plants um, with having these big fish containers in the greenhouse i haven't had to water as much because that you know it's kind of doing its own little thing there right and um but you know she's she was just turned three so she's a smart little girl though she you know the every time she comes over she is it time to put the tomatoes in yet you know maybe, maybe you could put one in a little container Oh, sure. And you could keep that in the greenhouse and then just bring it out, out and just yes. keep it in a... You know, I, I do have one in there that we actually, it is my little helper's uh, container tomato, and it's uh, actually one of the Bonnie plants. Um, they're little, um, I think it was called Tiny Tom, maybe, or... It was oh, Tumbling Tom, a little yellow one. Yes, yes. yes. It was the little uh, terracotta pot that we had, you know, we had it in the entry... Um, of the home where she could easily access it, um, you know, because some days I had her last summer, it was just too hot, or we had so much rain, it was kind of hard to take her over to where the bigger garden is without her getting too muddy, so we made a nice little patio garden right there by where she'd enter when she visits, and so that that container, or a couple of those, have actually been spending the winter in the greenhouse, so, oh yes, we go in and we, you know, she likes the smell of that tomato leaf, you know. So <laughs> I think I may have a future farmer on my hands. Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> it would be great. Her, her grandpa's a farmer, so <laughs> that's awesome. Yes. And, and so what about maybe limitations with her being so, so young? Does I mean, the attention span tends to be a little short, shall we say. Yes. And so what type of thing um, do you do maybe to um, keep her just a little occupied when, when you, you, if you plant, for instance, one tomato and you've got a whole heap to do, do you just keep mm-hmm. your, your focus on the things that she can do during the day and then do the rest when, when she returns to her mother? Right. Well, you know, I've got, um, you know, I do my own gardening as well. 
and my project little helper you know she she is very independent and you know it may have a lot to do with you know her mom has cancer so she has grown up being very independent and the helper you know helping mama with things and whatnot so there is no way I could have started <laughs> a, a flat of tomatoes and not let her finish it that is just the behavior of her which you know, I've worked with lots of children, and I'm, I'm a mom of two teenagers, and, oh, my gosh, I have, like, 20-some nieces and nephews that we've always done things with. And so this behavior is kind of uncommon for a two-year-old. So with her, I specifically, we used uh, recycled trays, um, like the size of, it's probably like a six by maybe eight, you know, the size of those uh, plastic containers you can get your lettuce in in the stores, you know, things like that. Uh-huh. That way, you know, there weren't too many. I mean, there's probably, let's I think we've got 12 tubes in one of those. And she was, in fact, when she was done planting those herself, we used the, the seed keeper kit with the little tweezers in the tray. When she was done, she did not want to clean it up. She wanted to keep going. <laughs> you, know, you know, she knew I, where my trays were. And <laughs> so I had to distract her. So, you know, I, I would recommend with the little ones, I don't think it's bad to let them feel like they've completed something. So maybe, you know, do like what I did. I knew Lily could handle at least a 12-pack, you know. So maybe with, you know, a child not um, so focused, maybe do a little or like a, you know, a little tray with maybe six in them. And um, a couple of things you do need to watch out with, um, especially with these tomato plants, um, the leaves. You know, I've read that they can be actually poisonous. Um, so, you know, I'm always, I always pay attention to her and watch, you know, what, what we're doing and, and we wash our hands when we come indoors, you know, just follow basic things like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And I, I think, you know, when, when you teach children, particularly when they're that, that young, um, <laughs> you know, what you can eat and what you can't, because I know you've got yeah. a lemongrass there, um, yeah. which, which is edible, but probably not palatable in the raw state stage. Yeah. Um, but other herbs and things as, as spring comes along, um, yeah. she will learn which ones she can and which ones she can't eat. Definitely. And then another good one, too, is, you know, like with the roses, um, she loves roses, and she actually helped me put a couple <laughs> couple of my um, bigger beds in, you know, not all, at one setting, but, you know, um, she loved to just stick her nose right in those roses, and I never really thought till somebody had tweeted to me, um, hey, be careful, there could be bees in there, so... We made up this little song about checking for the <laughs> checking for the bees and the roses. So you know she's very observant, and I think with children, what I've learned through the years, um, the more you talk to them and, and don't be afraid to explain things to them, you know that you think may be over their head. You'd be surprised what they remember, you know. Oh, absolutely! Yes, it's amazing what they absorb, and uh, you know, I I think you know, particularly very young children, they Mm -hmm. may not understand the concepts as such, um, like like why the seed is germinating. But you can Mm -hmm. certainly talk about they need to have soil for food, and they need water, and they need sun sunlight to grow, uh, which is simple enough for them to, I think, to absorb, even though they don't know the chemical reasons for all those. Right, right, and a lot of I'm learning myself with her, (laughs) because, you know, it was kind of funny when we first started those seedlings, oh gosh, wow, it's been a while, what's it been, maybe, oh, five weeks or so, I think, I 
specifically use those uh, seed tray or excuse me the lettuce trays you know from the mart or the grocery store and you know they have that nice plastic lid you can put on top right so you know when when they started out we had the lid on and it worked like a little greenhouse and I never really thought about that and until you know the two-year-old was telling me hey it's a greenhouse you know? <laughs> And they are. Those are so so useful. I mean, I uh-huh. collect collect them all all winter. Yeah. Um, you know, to start seedlings and things like that in. Because Definitely. as you say, the top is so. I mean, it clamps down nice and tightly to keep the yeah. moisture in, and then uh, you o- open it up. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what you can grow in. When I worked at the garden center, oh my gosh, there were people. I even had a person bring in an old toilet. <laughs> to be planted. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> but, you know, we have to go for our first commercial break here. Um, but good luck with your project, Brenda, and we'll check in again in the summer to see how things are going with your little gardener. Um, the next project in the next segment is Gardening Jones, uh, so stay tuned to America's Homegrown Veggies, and we'll be back in just a moment. When gardening is part of your life, it brings so much. Healthy eating, the freshest, most local produce, and playing in the dirt. At BonniePlants.com, you'll find all you need to succeed. When you grow Bonnie veggie and herb plants in beds or containers, you'll know where your food comes from. Homegrown veggies and herbs ready for cooking, eating, and enjoying. And you did it. So get growing with Bonnie Plants. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Hi, I'm Paisley McDonald, and I'd like to invite you to listen to my show, At Home with Paisley, every week, Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, for practical advice and stylish living for your home and office. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K steaks are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick steaks. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick steaks, Q-U-I-K steaks, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. Remember, you can catch up with us on Facebook at America's Homegrown Veggies. And if you miss any shows, you can find them on America's Web Radio Station site. And you can find them on iTunes and Stitchers. And this morning, we are talking projects with the gardeners around the country uh, that started in the beginning of the year. And now we're going to check in with Gardening Jones. Good morning, Gardening Jones. Good morning. How are you on this beautiful spring day? Oh, I'm doing fine. Um, Yes. And how about you give us a quick update, um, kind of... um, the type of thing 
uh, that you're doing? Oh, it, what it is is a, a garden system. It's a raised bed system, but uh, on top of the raised bed is more. <laughs> There's four columns where you can attach panels that allow you to grow vertically. Um, there's panels that will keep the bugs out if you're growing plants that don't need pollination. And there's panels that um, can extend your season. So if you live in a cool region like we do here in Northeast PA, you can get started about three weeks earlier and go three weeks longer, which is a big difference to our garden season. Oh, wonderful. So you're in a zone six or seven where you are? We're actually five, six. Oh, wonderful. And you had a rotten winter, right? Well, it was horrible. <laughs> and it did, I still have ice in my backyard. It might be gone today. I haven't looked out yet, but we finally hit the 60s today. It was a long winter. Oh, that's right. Um, and so with your system, I know it was um, you, you went to the University of Pennsylvania to help you fine-tune it. Um, so how how is it getting along now that we're three months later and getting into the gardening season? Well, you know, we took the um, all the, the documents that were provided to us by the Penn State University engineering students to some manufacturers. And um, to be honest, the prices that they came back with, which went to three different manufacturers, would have made this system so expensive I wouldn't have been able to afford one myself. Oh. <laughs> it would have been over $1,200. I mean, it's a great system, but that's a lot of money, and a lot of people are gardening to save money. So my husband and I, um, we looked at what the students had built as a model, and they bought all their materials at Home Depot. So we got on the Internet, and we drove to some stores, and we figured out that we could knock about a third of that price off if we build it ourselves. And it's simple enough to do. A lot of the stuff is already out there and being sold um, by different manufacturers. And since you have to assemble, there's some assembly required anyway, um, we might as well make the cuts and drill the holes and pack it up and ship it ourselves and save. It's going to be under 800. We're still trying to get it down even farther, but significantly less expensive than what the manufacturers wanted. Plus, we would have had to try to fundraise at least $10,000 just to get started. So now we can take our income tax return and, and uh, you know, send to some manufacturers, buy the equipment that we need, and we'll just start out. Everyone will be made by hand right here in Northeast PA. Wow. Well, that's a big change. I mean, uh, $1,200 would have probably put it out of most people's reach. And did, yeah. you, did you at all think about maybe making it overseas where it might have been cheaper? You know, we, we really didn't want to. Yeah, we just feel we really want something that's made in this country. Um, it's, we're just, you know, <laughs> partial to the United States, I guess. And we didn't want it to be something that you could not easily get a replacement part for or um, have customer service for. You know what I mean? We, we wanted people to just be able to give us a call or drop us an email if they have a question or if there's an issue, if they break something, which would be hard to do. But... Um, we can easily replace it. And I've heard some nightmare stories about some things that are, that are made mainly in China that people cannot get any kind of replacement parts or updates or anything for them. So we really, that was very important to us to make in this country. And do, do you have maybe um, a woodworker um, in your area that you could maybe get it uh, cheaper than uh, the big box um, stores? Actually, the wood at this point would be more expensive, and it would be certainly a lot more expensive to ship, too, because we did look at that. The, the original models that we built ourselves, we built out of wood. 
And um, they cost, I think my husband said it was about $350 each to build. Um, and, and there was a lot of labor involved in that, too. And they weighed a ton. <laughs> I know because I had to help him move the first one. He didn't build it where it was going to end up. And it, it was very difficult for us to, to even move the, the whole system. But um, wood, and, and wood doesn't hold up as long as plastic does. You know, it, it's, it can warp. It could come apart. The plastic will, um, it will really virtually last forever. So once, you know, you invest in the system, that's it. You're done. You don't have to do anything ever again. Well, I, I can certainly attest to um, the way things, when they're made of wood, do um, come down, because actually I was screwing a couple of my tops back in about yeah. an hour ago. Um, I've been using them basically over the winter because it was a totally exposed area. And they, they, would, they just had chicken wire over the top of um, furring strips that I just kind of nailed down, and those were coming apart with being moved around, I think, so much. So, yes. Yeah, that, that'll do it. Yes, yeah. So I, I guess um, now that you have redirected it um, to be doing yourself, which makes you not just an entrepreneur, but a manufacturer. Um, so how has that um, changed how you uh, decide to market it? Uh, the, I think the main, really the main difference is that we don't need to do a Kickstarter campaign because we don't have to come up with, you know, $10,000 to give to a manufacturer uh, we don't have to raise the funds like that. And plus, we can offer some, since it's not going to be shipped out by a manufacturer, it's going to be shipped out by us, we're going to offer some really fun incentives to the um, the first customers. We're writing a cookbook that's almost done, and that'll be one of the incentives. And some of my Facebook friends, Annie Haven, who I'm sure you know uh, from Moot Pooty, and Mike Padrezzi from Seeds of the Month Club, are um, both talking about possibly donating some uh, nice incentives to the first groups of people that order a system. So it's really going to be a much more personal thing, which I like. I I never really wanted to get into the manufacturing (laughs) end of it, so I can't say I'm disappointed. And if it does get to the point where we we can no longer make them because so many people want them, then we'll have to go back and look. But I'm betting we'll get a better price if that was the case. Yeah. To see how popular it is. Yes. And so, so how, um, so you're going to be making these from wood again, or, or do you have an access to, to plastic parts? They're going to be from plastic. Pretty much the same, you know, um, weather resistant plastic that the engineering students picked out. That's what my husband looked for, and that's what he found. Um, I, I really can't understand why, if a piece costs $10 at Home Depot, a manufacturer would want. 15 for it, but that's the kind of thing that we were finding. So um, it's the same materials that it would have been made out of. It's just going to be made um, on our property instead of made in a manufacturing company. And it'll be shipped right out by us, too. So. And are you going to sign them personally, kind of have a little stamp in a corner? I could do that, yeah. <laughs> if somebody wants a signed one, they can have that. We are um, we're going to make a video uh, showing us assembling it, so it'll be real easy to put together and people can see it being done. Plus, we, we wrote a, a how-to book, which will also include assembly instructions. And certainly, any of the, the written materials will be signed when, when we send them out, so that people will have that and say, ah, you know, especially the first hundred will be signed. We'll even get his signature on there, too. Well, that, that are you going to have to maybe take on other people maybe to help make these if you get flooded with um, people uh, ordering them? (laughs) (laughs) Kind of give up the day job? (laughs) Yeah, well, hey, you know, I'm getting up to retirement age, you know, that would be all right with me. 
Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> garden for a living would be my dream come true, whether it's making a garden system or, you know, writing on the blog or writing a, a cookbook, anything that's involved. Because the cookbook is, is how to grow it and then how to prepare it. So if you get too many zucchinis, there's recipes in there so you know what to do with them all. But um, that to me, that would be a, a, the perfect world would combine anything in gardening. And are you doing any of the um, marketing-type shows maybe where people can see what type of system this is, the trade I shows? Think we will. Yeah, once we get them, we want to have them tested first. Um, and Mike the Gardener is going to be one of the testers. And um, Modern Mia Gardening, the website, modernmiagardening.com, she's going to be one of the testers, too. She's in Georgia. So once, you know, we see that, that everything is cool and we have video and pictures, not just from us, you know, when people see it come in from another source of what they did, then we're going to go and start, you know, doing the road shows and things like that. So you might have to buy one of those little campers and <laughs> <laughs> drive around the country with a little wagon, a U-Haul with a sample on the back or something. Oh, well, that's how they used to sell plants successfully at the turn of the 20th century. So maybe that's a, a good idea. Door, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> They do have a, a trade show here in um, in our area in Wilkesbury once a year, uh, and that, so that'll be. I think that's in January, so we'll probably do that at that time and get our feet wet, you know, doing something like that, something different. But but are, are you hoping that you're going to be able to sell some for people to prepare for spring? Um, this has been a long winter, and you know that that would most certainly, um, you know, if they can get things a little bit earlier, that would be to their benefit. So you're up and running already. Oh, we actually, we are. We have, um, we both put in for vacation time so that we can spend two weeks just, you know, making the cuts and, and getting these together for so whoever orders them can have them before the end of May when the planting season starts in this area. And a lot of, a lot of the, um, the, well, some of the warmer places start before us, of course, and some people start after. But by the end of May, we'll have, be shipping them out. Oh, wonderful. So people can get ready. Yeah. And so so this is a simple system for people to put together. Do you have a, a, a website yet, um, or is it just the Facebook page? No, it's, we have actually two websites. It's gardeningjones.com, and then it's also on the blog, which is gardeningjones.com slash blog. And okay. we have some video up on YouTube as well. Oh, wonderful. And that comes under Gardening Jones as well? Right, that's the name of the channel is Gardening Jones. Oh, well, there's a lot of inf- uh, video up there on how to grow different types of vegetables and some recipes and things too. So it's this fun up there too. So, so in in the next couple of months between now and the next update, probably in June, July, you should be up to full production and marketing and the whole kit and caboodle, right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> That's kind of scary the way you said that, but <laughs> yeah, that we will be. We'll be up there. We'll have our our own uh, system in our yard and videotape and uh, that, so we'll be able to direct people to that information. And um, yeah, we'll be we'll be going. We'll be growing, I guess we can say. Oh, that, that that's going to be wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, though, we have to take another quick commercial break here. Um, but good luck to you on uh, Gardening Jones with the, the organization and things that you're going to have to obviously get used to now. Um, so we need to take a quick commercial break. And you're listening to America's Homegrown Veggies special on projects. And when we come back, we'll be talking with Jackie Soul about her new herb garden for the southwest hold on and we will be right back quick steaks that's 
Q-U-I-K steaks are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quicksteak.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick steaks. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick steaks, Q-U-I-K steaks, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. Hi, I'm Paisley McDonald, and I'd like to invite you to listen to my show, At Home with Paisley, every week, Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, for practical advice and stylish living for your home and office. When gardening is part of your life, it brings so much. Healthy eating, the freshest, most local produce, and playing in the dirt. At BonniePlants.com, you'll find all you need to succeed. When you grow Bonnie veggie and herb plants in beds or containers, you'll know where your food comes from. Homegrown veggies and herbs ready for cooking, eating, and enjoying. And you did it. So get growing with Bonnie Plants. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. You're back listening to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. I'm the host of the show, Kate Copsey, and this morning we are talking project updates. And now we are going to be talking with Jackie Soul, who is growing in the Southwest and is growing Father Kino's herbs. Good morning, Jackie. Good morning, Kate. Thanks for having me back. Oh, you are more than welcome. Yes, and so your weather down there is very hot, and I guess the idea of doing Father Kino's herbs was because he was a native down there. Is that right? Well, he he grew a lot of the native plants in the Mission Gardens in the area. So he actually asked the natives, oh, what do you use this plant for? And they would tell him, and he said, oh, okay, let's let's grow it right here, you know. Rather than a lot of the old padres would say, oh, those are heathen plants. We can't have them in our garden. And he was very welcoming to um, herbs from the local community. And I, I thought, um, you know, when um, I was reading uh, that little book that you produced, there seems to be um, a big difference between colloquial names and botanic names. And obviously coming from a botanic background, how confusing was that figuring out exactly what he was growing versus um, what, what others were, were meaning by that? That actually... Um to me, that's kind of fun to try to figure that out and trace it back through time. And one one of the things was that the uh, king of Spain had a botanical garden, and they kept very good records, even back in the 1600s. So Father Kino would send seeds uh, back to Spain and to the Jesuit uh, seminary in in um, in Europe, and they would grow these plants that he was growing here. And they would record those names, but of course they're in Spanish. So I had to track the Spanish name and then figure out which Spanish name goes to which English common name. And 
it was fun. It was like, you know, touching history. Yes, and and I guess you had um, a lot of the Indian names as well, um, the Iroquois and things like that that might have changed the names, right? <laughs> well, um, the, uh, more like the Tohono O'odham Indians down down here in this area, but yeah, they were native names, and in, in some cases, the native names are actually the name that is now the common name in English. And and that's one of the ones that I put on my wish list for for my um, oh New Year's resolution was epizote, and when you say that word, you're speaking Aztec. <laughs> I know one word in Aztec. You know, right? <laughs> and and so um, you know, how did you maybe track down um, the herbs that you that you wanted? And did you were they easy to find? Or you know, when you figured out, the, did you go kind of from all the common names to the botanic names and then translate it into normal <laughs> uh, usage down there? And how did you track down the ones that you wanted? Well, um, part part of it was um, some of them. The, the 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 Jesuits kept really good records, so they had the record of it as um, Epizote, and then that that name has persisted. But another one, it, the common name was Yerba de Venado, which means herb of the deer. And why they would call it that because the deer don't eat it. Was you ask the Odham what it's called, and it's called deer weed. So two people are calling the same plant the same name, and then you ask a local Odham person to show you deer weed, and they say, oh, it's this this one right here. And then you can go and figure out the scientific name of it. Oh, so so this was kind of a fun um, expedition for, for you, figuring out, um, you know, kind of what everybody meant. But did you have any maybe problems um tracing things out and planting them. Did you have any issues that way? Oh, um, we are very, very lucky here in Tucson that we have a nursery that's dedicated to the biodiversity of our region. And the owner of this nursery goes out with his little backpack and he collects seed of all these plants that nobody else grows. And he brings them back and he grows them. So he's he's my fallback option. For example, the um, the I wanted to grow Mexican elderberry, which is a it's similar to um, East Coast uh, elderberry, but it grows in remote canyons up in the hills. So I called up my friend Jim and I said, "Hey Jim, do you got any Mexican elderberries?" He says, "I have two. <laughs> One's got my name on it." You know. Oh. <laughs> And he said, okay, but you got to promise me you bring me pollen next year so I can pollinate mine and we can get seed for the coming years. So, so oh. that, was, that worked out. And, and so, I, I seem to remember from being in Tucson, um, if it was up kind of in the canyons, I seem to remember somebody took me from a, a drive and it was 90 degrees when we left at the bottom on the road. And we went winding up this uh, road that went up into the 
would it be the Santiana uh, Mountains or one of the mountains uh, down Santa, down there? Santa Catalina Mountains. <laughs> yeah, and and when you got to the top, you were about a zone five or maybe lower than that. So just because it grows up there, would it grow kind of at the bottom? <laughs> Ah, well, it is going to need some extra water in my garden, but I'm, I'm willing to give it water so I can get some elderberries. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. Um, we grow, we go from zone 10 at the bottom to um, spruce and fir trees, which I believe is zone 4, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, and you can do it in an hour and a half drive. <laughs> Yeah. So so things at the top, though, aren't going to survive in your garden. And maybe that elderberry would, would be one of those, right? <laughs> well, elderberry survives at 5,000 feet. So, again, extra water, plant it where it gets shade in the afternoon, and you can grow it. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So in the, in the southwest here, we have to really pay attention to the microclimate in our garden. And, and one of the reasons for planting an elderberry is so that I can have shade because actually um, when we go to grow pepper plants, they're happier growing in shade. Really? Yeah. Well, here. <laughs> <laughs> Not in New Jersey. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. The noonday sun is just too intense for pepper plants. So you plant them in the shade under... A tree like an elderberry that doesn't make really dense shade. It makes sort of a halfway filtered shade, and it's perfect. Oh, wow. And yet you you would note, so down there, I guess you have to disregard uh, all the nursery, sort of the mainstream catalogs, particularly where it says full sun. You have to sort of take that with a little bit of a pinch of salt and say, okay, that's fine for most of you in Zone 7, but down here, forget that. This is how we're going to do it. Yeah, I, even my tomatoes, everybody else thinks, oh, tomatoes, full sun. No, I, I have a 25% shade cloth over them. Oh, wow. So that they'll survive in the summer. And, and so when, when you started this, this project, um, did you find mm-hmm. any um, issues um, that you hadn't expected? Uh, just that there's too many plants and not enough time. <laughs> <laughs> My biggest issue is um, we moved into this house two years ago, and I thought I knew what the soil was, and it was kind of a rocky, uh, sandy soil on on one side, so big fish-sized rocks, and then kind of a sandy soil, which the answer is you, you just add some compost, and it helps add organic matter to the soil. But then where I wanted to put the Mexican elderberry, I dug in, and I hit a layer of something we call caliche, which is calcium carbonate. And you have to basically use a pickaxe to break it. I was going to, going to say, I seem to remember that being kind of a brick-type thing underneath, right? <laughs> brick cement, yeah. Yes. Cement is uh, basically, um, if you've ever had a, a wallboard, you know, you've seen wallboard, that's, that's calcium carbonate baked and made, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, so I thought I knew what I had, and then I found that you go to another part of your yard and you might have something else. So it was an adventure. 
So, so did you think maybe of doing raised beds to ease the, that situation at all, or aren't they used down there because of the water needs? Oh, no. We uh, actually, the raised beds are awesome because, um, yes, the water needs are a problem, but, um, and, and yes, they are warmer than planting in the soil, but our soil is so very alkaline. By putting it up in a raised bed, you can control the pH a whole lot better. Yeah. So all my vegetables grow in raised beds or, or even pots. And I think raised beds in, in, you know, most of the country is kind of used to correct maybe clay soils and, in my case, sandy soils, um, because they are so, shall we say, well-drained. Well, that's not necessarily something that you need in the southwest. Would that be right? No. (laughs) (laughs) We just need to correct the alkalinity. You know, 8.5 is really hard for plants to grow in. Wow. That's really high. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's really common because we have such low rainfall. It just becomes alkaline with time. Oh, wow. And and so he, uh, Father Kino found all these herbs that would actually grow in that alkalinity then so, so that you yes. could grow them well? Yes. Oh, wow. And, and one of the ones I'm growing is actually... Um, a great one for limestone soils called um, sweet marigold or Tachitis lucida. And it, it loves alkaline soils. If you give it too rich of soil, it'll die. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then the good news is the, the deer don't eat it. So it's, it's, uh, it's an annual probably um, anywhere other than zone maybe eight or, or lower number would be an annual, but we can grow it as a perennial. Oh, wow. And that's the uh, the tarragon-flavored one, right? Yes, tarragon-flavored. Oh. Winter tarragon, Florida tarragon. Oh, <laughs> yes. wow. And, you know, I, I think right, right up here we're kind of in that uh, transition zone between the very hot and very, very cool. But you know what, Jackie? We have to take a quick commercial break. Um, and actually, this is our final commercial break. But come, come back and listen to more and when we come back we'll be finding project updates from Rebecca Sweet so come back after these messages and we will be right back Hi, I'm Paisley McDonald and I'd like to invite you to listen to my show At Home with Paisley every week Thursday at 3pm Eastern for practical advice and stylish living for your home and office Spring is in the air literally so follow Sniffles to Atlanta Center for Breathing Easy Weeds, spores, grass, pollen. Airborne allergen levels are through the roof, putting your allergies into overdrive. It's time to followsniffles.com. Follow me and breathe easy. End your annual ritual of taking medication to alleviate facial pressure, facial pain, congestion, and headaches by treating the problem, not the symptom. Balloon sinuplasty just could be the cure you're looking for. This proven in-office procedure can have you breathing easy. Back to work the next day. Followsniffles.com. Follow me and breathe easy. Your severe sinus and nasal symptoms gone once and for all. Get lasting relief, a quick recovery, and start breathing easy again. Call us at 404-591-9100. That's 404-591-9100. Follow me and breathe easy. Followsniffles.com. 
This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hope you're enjoying America's homegrown veggie show this morning. We have been talking projects with the gardeners from around the country, and this is the final segment that we're going to talk to Rebecca Sweet. And your project was to integrate more color and texture into your garden uh, along with edibles. So, good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, Kate. It's so nice to be here again. Oh, yes. And your idea was to integrate maybe uh, more texture and things into your garden based on your book, which is called Refresh Your Garden with Color, Texture and Form. Um, so when you were maybe integrating um, th- things in your landscape, was it as easy as you thought? Well, I'll tell you. So the project was... A little more than that because it was um, removing my front lawn and incorporating color, texture, and form using edibles with the existing ornamentals. So that challenge is uh, a little trickier because, as, as you know, many vegetables don't look great towards the end of the growing season, and I need them to look great because my neighbor's would not be happy otherwise. <laughs> so that was the challenge. Cha- and we're going through this terrible drought. So I needed to pick low water, well, well-behaved edibles to complement the existing ornamentals. And, um, yeah, I did. I have run into a few challenges. So everything's now in the ground um, and hooked up to irrigation. We have to hook everything up to irrigation here. We have no supplemental water and things are really begin to uh, are beginning to grow because it's been like spring here for months now (laughs) whereas I hear you're not even there quite yet right having another possible freezing night ahead of you oh yes 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 yeah well we have had nothing but spring like weather with very little rain so everything is just exploding and growing very quickly Oh, yes, yeah. And that can be kind of a challenge to get new plants started. And so I've had a few things uh, that are supposed to be hardy, not quite as hardy because they don't want our early temperatures in the high 80s. I mean, <laughs> that's oh, a little wow. crazy. Yes. And, and so I, I guess, um, you know, when you've got a new plant into the ground, generally it takes that little bit more moisture and things. So how do you um, may, maybe supplement the water? Um, I know there are ways of recycling water and things like that. Do you concentrate on those new plants and maybe just put a few in at a time? Yes. Well, um, so we have different stations that are hooked up to irrigation. So the existing plants that I have, they're fine with their very low water requirements because they've been in the ground for several years. And then I have a separate station for all the new plantings, and I can alter that really easily. When we, For example, we just had a week of temperatures in the high 80s, which is unheard of for early April. <laughs> and so I just altered the time. I would just have the irrigation go on every day. And we also uh, have been asked by the state of California to cut back on our water and to recycle and reuse as much as we can. So I'm definitely 
reusing as much as I can. When we run the shower, for example, we have a bucket underneath it to catch the cold water until it turns warm. That's a lot of water that's wasted if you've never tried that little uh, exercise. And so we just take those buckets of water and, and give it to our new plantings until they become established. And, and so when it gets that hot, particularly in the mid-80s and things, um, are you able to shade them just a little until they are established? Yes, I have a really creative and unattractive way of shading using my husband's giant golf umbrellas. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a pretty sight, but it's really effective uh, in shading the little new plants. But luckily, the trees overhead are leafing out just as quickly, and they're casting some much-needed shade as well. So I think I'm in the clear right now. I'm okay. I got past the worst of it. <laughs> and and so has it maybe slowed you down um, a little, little bit with your plans a little bit? No, I what I knew what kind of weather we had in store for us. I knew it wasn't going to be a, uh, a you know a, a normal year. So I made sure to get everything in the ground. I worked tirelessly in January, taking advantage of our unseasonably warm weather to get everything in the ground and prepare as much as I could. So I, I'm okay. I'm on target, and I'm watching everything bloom, and I have, uh, you know, I've made some changes in what I decided to plant after all, which type of edibles, et cetera. But uh, things are so far, knock on wood, things are looking pretty good. And, and so you, you're probably planting more, um, are they perennials or, or are they annuals as well? Um, in terms of edibles? Yes. Uh, you know, it's a mix. Perennials in the sense of, like out here, um, borage is a really great herb, and that is almost a perennial out here, where I know it's an annual elsewhere. Um, blueberries, of course, they come back year after year, and I plant that. Uh, edible sage, um, definitely a perennial out here. It's almost evergreen out here. It looks good almost every day of the yeah. year. And, and I, I think borage is, is, I mean, it's got such a, an attractive flower and it self-seeds, I think, a little bit. So you can yes. make nice sort of informal clumps of it. <laughs> yes. I've really taken advantage of that, uh, the blue color, to kind of create some echoes with blueberries, lavender, and then um, a couple of non-edibles. I have like a, it's called a marine blue salvia and the Lithodora ground cover. So that's an example of, of where I am incorporating color echoes using ornamentals and edibles using the color blue. That's a great example. So so what about maybe the texture side of things, um, yeah. sort of large leaves and things like that? Well, um, one thing that I have created is um, I've planted some dill because I love that ferny kind of frothy foliage. And I have that near uh, some feverfew, the chrysanthemum. Um, it's a type of chrysanthemum that has very lacy kind of delicate foliage. And then I also have that next to a really new type of plant to create a contrast. I have that ferny foliage um, next to a plant that's called Australian uh, pillflower bush. And it's got a really interesting kind of ropey, coarse texture. So I'm, I'm incorporating some um, texture echoes and texture contrasts using dill. Another one that, that's not blooming yet, of course, it's too early, but I'm really hoping to get kind of that 
really great form of the Romanesco cauliflower. You know, that real kind of a spirally, beautiful cauliflower um, planted near a type of Euphorbia mercenides that's got a really similar spiral. And I, if I can get the Romanesco to grow, that would be fantastic. <laughs> that would be such a... <laughs> Awesome shape echo. <laughs> oh yes. So so you're kind of complementing different things next to each other. So yeah. yeah. Um and and I guess that kind of uh, really really does make um the garden pop when when it works. Um so so with with it being I guess so hot in April um as against the rest yes. of us were were saying where's spring where where's any sort yes. of heat um <laughs> you know um so so I guess with it being that that warm were there any maybe challenges of, of maybe keeping plants from coming into bloom too quickly oh. and petering out too quickly before the rest of your design finished yes that was a problem i had planted a lot of herbs and i And I love when they bolt and turn into their beautiful flowers, kale, for example, and and the lettuces when they bolt. And I do try and time that to happen a little later, but this year they bolted so early, they bolted before any bulbs even came up. So (laughs) that did not exactly work. (laughs) It's like, why are you bolting in January, for heaven's sake? (laughs) Yes, and and I, I guess when, when we were in the middle of the snowstorms and things, you guys were doing pretty well. We um, were having a heat wave. Yes, yes. Can you imagine. So like, so so now, do you do you take the summer off because it gets too hot, and then have to make plans again for the end of the year? Yes, and, and I do that with my design business. I I definitely don't install gardens in the summer uh, because they just they just can't the little plants can't hardly stand one of our heat waves. Even if you're out there watering it every day, they really, really, really struggle. So I do take the summer off, even in my own garden. I just, you know, it's all I can do to maintain what's there. Because <laughs> it's just glowing at the speed yeah. of light. So, yes, that's why I tried so hard to get all my plants in early and a little bit established so I can kind of help them through the summer. And are you able to maybe just sit down and enjoy the gar- garden, or do you always find there's something that you, you feel you need to do or adjust? Well, I think that's the thing all gardeners <laughs> face, isn't it? We can hardly enjoy our gardens. But I really, really believe in taking the time to make sure you at least have your morning cup of tea out there Every day, just walk around and enjoy it. It's such an important thing that we often forget, and I forget. And it's like if you make it part of your daily routine, because what is the point of killing ourselves if we can't enjoy our garden, right, or smell the roses? We have to, have to make that time. <laughs> oh, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I also drink tea, and, you know, it's, it's so nice, particularly in the summer, to be able to, to go out. Plus, you can notice any little bugs and things that might be coming in so you can address problems fairly quickly. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, the tricky part is is to say, I will get to those bugs maybe this evening or this weekend, not to set a cup of tea down and run off and start working on them. It's, it's so important to just sit and observe, I think. And um, the older I get, the more I really try and, and do that, at least, at least for 15 minutes a day, at least enjoy all the hard work that I put into the garden. 
Yes. And, you know, and I, I think when you can actually enjoy a garden, I mean, I've got a hammock out in my garden that I actually put up uh, just this past weekend, uh, which Perfect. is right right under a maple tree. And I've been planting lilacs and uh, uh, forsythias all around, around it and daffodils. So, you know, even in early spring, I think that that, that would work. Wonderful. Yes. Um, the kids don't don't like the hammock. So it's just mine. That's <laughs> which is Perfect. <laughs> Plus, it's a little trickier to get in and out of quickly. So once you're in, you're kind of in for a while. So that's... That's yes. great. That's a great idea. Yes, and I, I think when you've got a book to go out out with as well, it, it just kind of, it, it, to me, it's yeah. a summer thing. But, you know, when you've got nice days, it really is worth it. And if you've got a few plants around, but it's nice just looking up into a tree yeah. rather than looking at it from a distance. Uh, That's right. Yes. But, you know, we need to finish this se- segment, Rebecca. Um, but, you know, because we're pretty much at the end of the show. Okay. Yes. Um, but I want to thank everyone for listening to America's Homegrown Veggie Show this morning. Thank you, Bonnie Plants, for your sponsorship of the show. Thank you, Rebecca. It's great to hear the updates and the challenges that even California throws at you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and we'll be back next week, everyone, with another show talking all about growing veggies. So have a good gardening week, everyone, and join me back here next Saturday.